This episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Beef. Listen up, foodies. Make your next meal even better with real Nebraska beef. They have healthy, tender, delicious Italian heritage beef, grass-fed and sustainably raised on lush pastures in the Midwest. You can even create your own personally curated meat box that's shipped right to your door. To get two free steaks with any purchase over $50, use the code FREEBEEF at checkout. Learn more and shop exclusively at cpbeef.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Bear. The hit series returns with Jeremy Allen White in the Golden Globe-winning role of Carmi. He and the team will transform their family sandwich shop into a next-level spot, all while being forced to come together in new ways as they confront their past and reckon with who they want to be in the future. FX is the bear. All episodes now streaming only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. Each week I'll be talking to some incredible guests and I hope by hearing each episode they will offer you a valuable source of inspiration and insight. From incredible life stories to a variety of important subjects all to help you with your quest to change your relationship with alcohol. All of my guests are at different points in their journeys and each of them have powerful and uplifting stories and information to share. I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to subscribe and, of course, leave a review. My guest today on One for the Road is Sam Phillips. He regularly jumps in the sea because cold water therapy really helps him with his mental health. Sam has just celebrated 18 months of sobriety and he is already a huge inspiration in the sober community. Don't forget to listen to the short ads at the very beginning of each episode. It really helps me to continue producing this great content for the foreseeable future. Also, don't forget to press the follow button. Thanks for all your continued support, and I really hope you enjoyed this week's show. Good morning, Sam. Welcome to my podcast, One for the Road. You're looking very dapper today, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. You okay? I'm fine, mate. I, we were yeah. just having a chat. I spent yesterday at the Houses of Parliament, denying the Commons, yeah. um, with Nakoa. Uh, I met some amazing people, and I think I've got one of those emotional come downs today, where where yeah. there's so much that happens, and you you got to then wake up exhausted, and that's how I feel yeah. today. So many yeah. connections, so much good was said. Uh, how Nakara moving forward? So I'm in a good mood, mate, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. You first popped up in my squares a while ago, and uh, do you know the first thing I thought was you and me would be trouble if we yeah. were together. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're like my kind of bloke. Um, you come from Essex, right? Uh, Suffolk. I'm, Suffolk. I'm from Suffolk. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you come from Suffolk, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you're a man's man and whatnot, but you're a sensitive soul as well. Uh, so yeah. I thought it'd be good for you to come on the podcast and um, have a chat, mate, about your your story with alcohol, what it was like growing up, and where you are today and what you're doing. So where did it all begin, mate? What was your childhood like? Where did you live? And let's go from there. So I've, I've always lived in, in Suffolk, um, a place by the sea, beautiful upbringing, brother, sister, mum, dad, um, normal family home, to be honest. But the, the difference between me and my brother and sister was my, my mental health. And and that started long before I picked up a drink. I, when I went to school and stuff, I always overanalyzed stuff in my head. I used to get pains in my chest and I'd think it was a heart attack. Um, if I had a normal headache, my, my mind would say it was a brain tumor. And I'd just constantly overthink it. And I remember laying in bed as a youngster, just never being able to sleep because I was always overanalyzing and and um thinking something was wrong with me you know and and just just normal kid stuff really went over the field um bit of jack the lad um always like class clown if you will (laughs) (laughs) like 
and we were just drinking cider over the, over the field like people did when you were younger and and you know when you used to sit outside the shop and get some random bloke to go in mm. and you'd ask two or three people and they'd say no and then you'd hit the jackpot with one geezer who just didn't give a shit and yeah. you'll have a swear on here so <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah and then we go over the park and i just remember the first time i ever drunk alcohol like where even well as a kid you'd swig at your dad's beer and that but mm. when i drunk alcohol the first time and actually got pissed for the first time I just remember all them anxieties and fears floating away, you know. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is this is it. This is the magic. How cure. old was you, mate? Probably about fourteen, I would say. Yeah, isn't it weird how um, that's the kind of generic age of yeah. when we start drinking? Because you know, I was fourteen as well. I mean, I yeah. think I had a drink before that, but it was just like something at Christmas. I was allowed a shandy or something. Yeah. Or, or I think I had a sip of something awful like from the month and it's like, it's like mouthwash. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it still gave me that little kick. And I wonder yeah. whether that was the beginning then, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was when you were allowed to do it. And there was something about when you were over with your mates and you wasn't supposed to be doing that added to the excitement. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just get smashed really quickly and then try and sober up before I got home. But the thing is, mate, it's like if you grew up with all that anxiety and stress and confusion really because you put yeah. you know as a child you don't understand these emotions do you and, no. and it was probably like like a magic pill to you that you've taken with that drink and it solves it all so no wonder at that age that we go back to it yeah absolutely and that's an important point as well your mind's only just developing then so to be experimenting with alcohol and and other things at that age is probably the worst thing you could do but like i say when i drunk the alcohol that floated away and i generally thought i'd found magic cure yeah but with what you later find out is when you when you sober up and you're and you're hung over whatever fears or anxieties you have are heightened like a lot worse and exaggerated because of the alcohol and the hangover and everything. So it was, which led on to feeling down in the dumps and depressed and anxiety. And then it just become a vicious circle. Whereas my yeah. mates would, would just go over the field and drink um, at weekends from a young age. I was starting to look for ways to, to mm. get off me nut, nut in the, in the week and stuff, you know, and mm. from a very young age, it just escalated out of control. When you um, started going out as well, did you find you was that one that would end up pissed all the time and out of control? Would yeah, yeah, and uh, like doing outrageous stuff, and then you'd you, I'd forget about things, and then um, people would say stuff to me what I'd done, and then it would be like a flashback, you know. Like we have a nightclub down here on a big hill, and I'll come flying past in a trolley. You know, down yeah. there into the road and stuff like. But it was it was outrageous. So I was sort of scrapping and 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 that, and everything. Basically, I'm not as a person, which I know now. I I was doing outrageous things, you know, and yeah. and I, I couldn't. I could never. I could never ever accept that the party was stopped as well. I'd always try and let's go to this place, let's go to this place. And it was almost like a fear in itself that the party was ending. I'd be the last one standing. And when everyone else went home and, and stuff, eventually later on towards in my drinking, everyone began to work on a Monday and I'd be carrying on the party and ringing ill or something. So, Do you yeah. think part of it was um, feeling accepted, feeling like, because when you said you was a bit of a, a lad when you were growing up and the yeah. party clown and that, you know, do you think there was part of you that didn't know you was? So yeah, when you were drinking, you become this role of this, this comedian, this one that shocked your mates by doing everything. And yeah. do you think part of it was that as well? Yeah. In, in a way it was almost like an actor getting it in, into character you know if i was going to meet my mates so i would have to sit at home on my own and neck a few beers first yeah. or neck some sort of drink because at, at the time wasn't even aware of it but now I, i'm not i'm not 
as confident as what people think. And mm. I can't be that Jack the Lad and, and the, the light and soul of the party without a substance. So I was I was at home necking booze and then coming out and playing my, my role. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But What's I interesting there, mate, is that you said, I can't be, and you yeah. are being it now. So yeah. you couldn't be because you didn't yeah. know any other way. And that's the yeah. thing, right? And that was what I remember, you know, like going out, um, clubbing and ending up um, sitting at the burger bar until four or five in the morning, going back with my mate, Simon at the time, and carrying on drinking at five in the morning. Mm. Um, and then being in the pub at 11 the next day, yeah. and doing the whole shift, getting up Sunday, being at the door of the pub at 12, when I, I used to wear the big bolts, it was a Young's pub, and the bolts would come down at midday and the doors would open and he'd go, all right, Glugsy, you all right, son? Light and lager. And yeah. I would carry on. And I was this role, as you say, it's this big man that, yeah, God, I don't know how he does it. And he, he never looks knackered or anything like that because I used to go through. Uh, yeah. And then Monday, I'd wake up and think, I've got to drive to work now. And I, I was poisoned, mate. I was felt absolute. And that was the mm-hmm. reality of it. It wasn't this big, high-flying Jack the Lad. It was like I really didn't know what I was doing. But at the time, it just felt normal. Like I didn't yeah. even question it. And whether it was an age thing, whether it is I hadn't got to that stage where – I realised it was a problem. It's just what we do is lads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like yeah. with you in your teens and that, did did your relationship with alcohol change gradually, or like did did you carry on clubbing into your twenties and what happened? No, because it's it's interesting because they used the substance to start with to, for confidence and to go out and socialise, and what it did for me in the end was the complete opposite and it isolated me and it left me in a room with the curtains drawn sitting there drinking on my own and scared to go out and even when and then and I could never drink enough towards the end to get that confidence back I was just completely stripped with all of it and and it it gradually got worse where I was drinking with my friends going out and everything and then it would just be um, sat in drinking like eight cans of lager, which progressed to 12 cans. And then in the end, some nights I'd drink 20 cans of lager, just sat in on my own, smoking fag after fag um, and 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 doing other stuff, which is part of my story as well. And, yeah, I, I want to come, come back to that later. Yeah. So was there any time like when you were drinking with your mates and that, that they kind of mentioned your drinking? Like, not not really. It's just accepted, wasn't it? It's, yeah. It was to do. If anything, if you wasn't drinking, sometimes people would mention that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that, what's the matter with you, mate? Well, you yeah. ill or something? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly that. It, it's so accepted in our society that it's deemed unnormal if people aren't having a drink now. I get more people question why I'm not drinking now mm. than what they ever did why I was drinking so much in the past. Which is crazy, really. Well, there's that thing in there. It's the only drug we have to justify not having. So, yeah. you know, if you say you're trying to lose a bit of weight or you're cutting down on your sugar or you're not smoking, you're giving up the weed, everyone's like, oh, mate, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm stopping drinking. What? Are you, what? What? Yeah. What are you doing, mate? You boring yeah. sod. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. And that's yeah. why we, you know, we're trying to bang on about sober shaming and I'm the first one to admit I used to do it. Like I remember yeah. I was in the pub once the bloke come in and I was four pints down thinking, where is he? And he bowled up and he says, I'll have um sparkling water. And I was like, what were you out yeah. for even? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. so I recognize it as well. So, uh, and it's almost like a default way of being as well. Like it's almost like this is what I meant to say to that. And, and I used to do the same. If someone was saying they weren't having a drink and I'd try and convince them to drink. And what I know now is I was doing that because it, it was making me feel better about myself. For, yeah, 100%. For having a drink and trying to get other people to do it as well. You know I mean? 100%, mate. And in a way, what you say about your mates is we all enable each other. Yeah. Don't we? We all like, oh, we're on the lash. Um, I remember I went to a tattoo convention and we were drinking at 10 in the morning. You know, and um, I think I've mentioned it before about this rather than 
an arm wrestling competition with a load of Geordies we met. It was a drinking competition. Of course, they put me on the platform. <laughs> Dave can drink five pints of Stella in five minutes, and they were going, no way. And I, I was already really drunk anyway, yeah. and I necked five in four minutes, you know, yeah. and, and carried on after that. And it's like, I don't know what I was doing to my body, and you probably feel the same, you know. So what, when did you begin to feel it was like, becoming a problem what was it later on um when you were drinking on your own or did you have nights out when you wake up and really regret it it was affecting everything in my life dave i I wasn't i was messing up going to work i've got two young daughters as you know the the mother um moved out of the of the flat and that and and when she first moved out it was like just an opportunity for me to to feel sorry for myself in a way and and poor me poor me and just chuck more and more drink down down my neck and then I eventually lost that that flat I moved into another house but my head was gone then and and everything completely spiraled out of control there and then and then my addictions took over and and I didn't care about work I didn't care about my bills and I ended up becoming homeless um lost i lost everything um in that stint and uh, how old was you mate uh my daughters were i would have been about 26 then 26 yeah it's young isn't it like that yeah. that really ramped up quickly then didn't it from it escalated from... i just hit they say you hit a fuck it button you know and i really did and i just i just couldn't see a way out i, I really couldn't and and it was so strange because I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, you no, know? and and it was such a strange place to be, and 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 I I generally felt like my my family would have been the better off without me, and I just felt an absolute burden, you know. Oh but, God, I really relate to that, mate. Uh, yeah. That it's I I remember feeling like that as well when I was scrambling around for some tablets just to think, do you know what they they could do better off without me as well and it and you wake up the next day and think god thank god i didn't you know even though you still feel terrible but mine was always in a drunken stupor yeah um you were 26 so you had your own place family together and then she left you with yeah kids yeah and then she moved out with my youngest sorry and then um in that time my my but she moved left moved out with my eldest sorry and in that time my my uh, youngest was conceived as well so then she she was in a different house with with my two youngsters and I was still backwards and forwards between her house and the, my new place and everything but I, in reality I was in no fit state to look after myself let alone anyone else I'm so glad it worked out the way it has now but yeah yeah it was um crazy looking back at it really so when you got your other place you was on the mission basically of self-destruction and it's interesting right as a coach when people say i press the fuck it button Mm. i always say actually that's the fuck me button yeah it's it's am i worth anything anymore because my my life or my quality of life or well emotional well-being is not worth me giving this a go you know and we just go on a complete self-sabotage mission of i'm gonna create as much chaos in my life as i can so i don't Mm. have to think about anything at all because when you come into reality it's too much for us right yeah and alcohol is a solution to that problem because it gets rid of it in the beginning Mm. That's always what I say to people, you know, I, I know someone who recently lost someone, right? And they drank to excess to forget the incredible grief they were feeling around that someone. But as soon as the alcohol starts to wear off or you had to go back to reality, like work, it was 10 times worse, that grief. So mm. it's just a short term fix. It's a lie, basically, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a lie. It is. It is. When you're drinking heavily as well, you can you're not in your right frame of mind at all. You like the insanity and looking back at it now, 
I'd look at the clock and I wouldn't want to go to Morrison's to get more beers until at least midday because in my mind, that is an acceptable time mm. to, to get booze, which is insane. And then I'd go and get the booze and I'd sit at my front door and even make it into the lounge. I'd sit on the box of beer, just sitting there drinking it and sinking slowly more and more to the floor. And then eventually I'd walk around to, to go and sit, pick up whatever and, and I'd be walking the street with a can of beer man. So I didn't want to go into the shop yeah. to get beer because I was worried what people thought, but then I'd walk around the streets with a can of beer and it it was just insanity. Yeah, it was... it's almost like um, it turns you into a monster, doesn't it? You lose yeah. all self-respect, and I can understand that. Many times I've walked to the pub hoping no one would see me because of what I looked like from the night before. Yeah. Staggering back from the pub, I didn't care who saw me. So yeah. I really relate to that, where you yeah. gradually lose all your respect the more you drink. And yeah. it's again, it's almost like I don't care what they think of me. It's actually, I don't care what I think of me. Definitely, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. How long did that go on for, Sam? That that sort of squalor you was living in in the flat before you become homeless. Like the the bills coming in on the mat and you're just chucking them in the corner and you're going down the shop again. I just completely buried med in the sand and then I ended up losing that place and, and I um, had to move back in with me mum and dad, which was a bit of a shock because I moved out at 17 and to move back in at, at that age was a bit a bit um, disheartening, you know, and, um, and that's the first time I got sober after that and I got sober for quite a bit, but I, I was trying to do it on my own. And and I got quite a bit of sobriety time. I, I was locked myself in my mum and dad's spare room and and um, sweated it out for a couple of weeks. And I literally just didn't come out for li- about two weeks. And I was just sweating and, and like, like having weird dreams and just drinking water, really. I lost so much weight anyway. I, I was like a stick. Yeah. And, um, and I got sober and... and, and and it was horrible, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is, it's a high opener, isn't it? But how, yeah. how was your mum and dad through that period? They, they was all right. They, they they took me and they supported me, you know. And and I I owe them a lot, but obviously they were worried as well. I robbed a, I robbed my family of their of their peace of mind for a long time. They they wasn't exactly sure of how bad things had got because we hide it, don't we? Yeah, right, absolutely. I, um, so it was a bit of a shock to the system, but also a massive relief to me when I told everyone exactly what was going on. Yeah. Just going back to when I said I was Jack the Lad and playing this character, I was doing that when 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 I was going out and meeting up family and everything. When I told people that I was depressed and, and felt really, really low, people were like, what? They couldn't believe it. And when I told them exactly how I felt and broke down, they were, they were in shock and it felt like such a weight off my shoulder because yeah. it was raining going out. And, and meeting up with people and pretending everything's all right when it really isn't is exhausting. It, yeah. It's like you're you're out smiling and laughing, and you get home, the door is shut behind you, the curtains are drawn, you're sat in the dark, and you feel like absolute death, and and like you've got no life in you, and that whatever life you have got, you're putting it putting it on for people to make yeah. them think you're all right, and you're not, and and it is it's awful, awful way to live. Yeah, it is. It takes up your bandwidth, doesn't it? All yeah. your bandwidth, and you, you're like, oh, I, I can really relate to you, mate. Honestly, when you talk about that, I mean, I didn't really. I did it all on my own a few times, which lasted two or three days. I just didn't have the mm. willpower, and I think it was either the right time, the situation I was in uh, at the time, or age. Maybe, you know, 40 years of drinking. And I knew for a year the party was coming to an end because I kept saying out loud, I've got to do something about this. You know, and I've mentioned before about um, spontaneous sobriety that people just give up on the day and they go, how did you do that after 40 years? I don't believe that. I believe there's a lot of stuff that gets planted in your head um, Mm. before that, like subliminal thinking, like, relentless hangovers, days of regret, shame, looking at your phone and c- cannot believe 
some of the message I sent in anger because I was frustrated with myself and yeah. I used to project it onto others. Like even, yeah. even like a night sitting in, cause I was like you, I sat in my own all the time. Like I was a solitary drinker mm. and I would start a full chirpy and happy and that. And if I weren't getting a response that I wanted at the time later on, I used to get angry. Yeah. I become the keyboard warrior. And then I'll yeah. wake up at three in the morning, check my phone and thought, Oh my God, have, have I actually said that? Mm. And they've read it and haven't yeah. responded. You know, it's just... Oh, that, I, I felt that fear that you would have felt then. That, like, yeah. oh, what have I done? It, you can go back there. Like, uh, you, uh, you, whenever I'd go out drinking or, or have a drink or what, not that ultimate fear of, oh, what have I done? Bread. Mm. It's, it's horrible. It's I know. Horrible. I know. And waiting for reactions in the morning and even little things like, oh, what did you think of that film last night? And it's like, what film or yeah. I only remember up to the first half an hour and then I don't remember anything else. Yeah. I've got up before in the morning at six and I've been fast forward in the film. So I might have an answer just like, so of course I wasn't drunk. I was tired. I had a long day yesterday or I've been all that old rubbish, you know, but um, so when you've tried the first time, um, like at your mum and dad, you, you just white knuckled that, did you? White knuckled it, yeah. And um, it, in all honesty, drink and drug or drink whatever, whatever your issue is, it it doesn't have to be. You don't have to just be drinking for it to be a problem. And I realised that in, my, in in sobriety, if you're if you're not drinking, but all you're doing is thinking about it, it's still a problem, mm. you know. And that and that time. I had a, I got my life back together and sorted stuff out and got some money in that behind me and cleared up some debts and everything, which was great. And I used that that first initial stint of sobriety, but wasn't growing as as I was and or learning about what what I'd been through and what I'd done because I was trying to go at it alone. All right, so there was no growth there, which inevitably leaded back to a relapse. And it wasn't until I got sober again and and got help of other people that were on the same journey that I started asking questions about it and started getting the answers, you know. So that that was why going at it alone, not, for me, doesn't work. It, uh, and I've tried to do it hundreds of times. And like you you said before, I always wanted to do it, do it because the answer, I was always questioning myself and tried to get two, three days, which would be my downfall in the end because I'd get to two or three days and then I'd play tricks on my, my mind play tricks going, you've done three or four days. You haven't got a problem with this. You can yeah, have a drink. Yeah, yeah. And that was the same thing with, with when I got about two years sober or whatnot, I, I was in the first time I relapsed, I was in Egypt and, and I thought you've gone all that time without drink. You're on holiday, have one. Mm. You'll be all right. You know, mm. and all that time had gone past and one swig of alcohol was the same result because I don't remember Egypt and I don't remember four months after it either. So, uh, right. and then, and then I tried to get sober again and whatnot. And then, like I say, this time around, I got sober and, and really uh, reached out for help of the community online. And, and um, I'll go to meetings and stuff and started getting the answers. And, and this time around, it's been completely, completely different. Yeah. And you have to find your tribe. You have to find the right way. Yeah. I mean, um, I sent someone a message this morning because they started off with the community, but they realised that the 12 steps mm. was a way forward, even though they're 18 months sober. So, yeah. And I sent him a message saying, look, we all got our own right to choose our path, you know. Mm. Um, and I tried to be completely non-judgmental about things. I know we can moan about different ways and whatnot, but – you know, if it works for the person, it's like yeah. you and me going shopping. And I, I do like your top, by the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we go in a shop and, and I don't like what you like or vice versa. You know, you've got the right to go, all right, I'll meet you in half hour, mate. I'm going to get some clobber and see you after, you know, and that's how it works because it's yeah, important. I don't, get, I don't get how people tell people how to do recovery because as long as they're, get, as long as they're staying sober, it's up to them how they choose to do it. You know, what I mean, I don't, I don't care how people get sober. I'm just glad they are. You know, and what works for some individual might not work for another. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So we're all drunk in different ways as well. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. not, not two of us are the same. So 
Yeah, exactly. And this is why every single person's relationship with alcohol is different, as you say. Like, and that when I coach clients, I treat it like that. You're not, oh, on a sliding scale, oh, what do you drink? One bottle, one and a half or two bottles of wine. Ah, you're in that category. Right. Here's my little um, schedule for you for the next few weeks. It's actually, you know, even if you drink two glasses of wine a night, but it affects your mental health, your anxiety, your parenting, your sleep, it, and you're here talking to me, then obviously it's a problem for you. It's not, um, oh, that's nothing. You know, I used to clean my teeth with more than half a bottle of wine. You know, all that business. You, it's comparison is dangerous. You know, 100%. but one thing I will say, mate, is that um, whether again it's my age or what, I don't know. But um, I never really got into drugs, right? I, I wasn't into cocaine. I tried it once, didn't do anything. Um, I tried other things, but it was always booze was the elephant in the room for me. But did you go down that route as well? Yeah, I did. I, I, um, yeah, I picked up cocaine, and then I realised that that could make me drink more, you know. And then, then I got deluded with the fact where when I got sober one time that oh, it it was um it was the coke that I was I had the problem, not the booze. So if I just give that up and carry on drinking, but the trouble is, it once you do one, it goes hand in hand. And it, it weren't until I got sober this time that a bloke said to me, all right, you you put cocaine on the table and booze on the table. What are you picking up first? And I said, the booze. And he said, well, the booze is the problem then, not the drug. Do you know what I mean? Because without that, I wouldn't pick up that. And he was 100% right. That was just another way of my brain trying to convince me that it was all right to drink, you know. And that's when I realised, got to put it all down, you know, and I did. Yeah, it's definitely one with the other. Um, I quit. I hear that quite a lot with people that you know. Once they stop drinking, they say actually the coke was really easy to give up. Yeah, you know? I yeah. got a, a lad that works with me, and he says after four, three or four beers, it's always call the dealer. You know, yeah. and, and I was never into it, and I'm glad because I was sometimes glad that I would pass out. Yeah, yeah. did you ever do it at home then, when you were like drinking alone? Was it? Well, cocaine, that's, yeah. the, that's the, the only time I'd do it in the end because it right. used to make me so paranoid. It used to make me so paranoid, yeah. Um, and and I'd, I, it, that was insane as well. I'd, I'd like army crawl to my fridge because I'd think my neighbour that lived above me could hear my footprints on the floor. And and I'd army crawl to the fridge to open a beer and I'd be opening a beer underneath a cushion so I wouldn't yeah. want anyone to hear. It was, it was insane. Absolutely. Oh, um, that isolated drinking is just, yeah. it's like it, I visualize my journey with alcohol. And in fact, for anyone listening to this that's not seen that uh, animation called Nuggets, if you Google Nuggets Addiction video on YouTube, it's that bird. Um, it's an animation and it, it. The, yeah, the first time it ignores the golden nugget. The second time is interesting golden nut bends down and takes a sip and then like that red ball sort of flies up in the air doesn't it but gradually towards the end it gets darker and darker and then it gets black and falls over how and that much is how late to that when you first oh, see that mate, it's incredible yeah, animation it's so and and also mine my, my other visual is like poison ivy right and it, it starts to wrap itself around your toes and then your ankles and gradually the more you go on it it gets tighter and tighter and then it's around your neck and starts to suffocate and strangle you and and that's what I was like with my solitary drinking and it sounds like you were that I used to do my full weekend shop on a Friday lunch I always finish work no later than two I'd never put any estimates on I would make sure everything was done get a big trolley not the little ones right fill it up with booze and whatnot go home, put it all in the hallway, shut the door, and then think, I ain't coming out till Monday. And I used to be, like, happy as Larry with that, you know. I never used to talk to anyone, see anyone, even in the garden. If someone come out next door, I would go in because I didn't want to see him because I was paranoid. And, and it's, it destroys you inside, doesn't it? Do you relate it's to that? It's, it's mental, mate. I never, it, it sounds so weird, but I never felt happier being so miserable and on my own. Do you know what I mean? I actually felt like I got 
I feel like I got addicted to being miserable a little bit as well and being I I, I just wanted to get indoors get the curtains drawn put some soppy music on and yeah. and open a bit and be on my own and isolated from anyone and everyone that loved me yeah isn't it weird and, and I, was, I, I was miserable but that's happy that being was, miserable that was my comfort anchor yeah Depress- depression was my comfort anchor for so long i think uh, i got so used to it that i got caught up and used to that emotion i didn't want to feel anything else you but know maybe that's that's what you thought you deserved was the misery yeah you know, like the feeling sorry for yourself thing is you know, like I only I have to deal with this now. I'm not putting this on anyone else because I don't want to be their responsibility. It, so it was, it was self pity. Another drink, poor me, poor me, poor me. And, yeah, and, and you know, I look at that bloke like a different person now, and yeah. and just I just wish I could go back and shake him. Say, come on, pull yourself or, together, or hug him. Yeah, definitely. And, and that you know, that's the... how I look at it. It's like yeah. I, I look at the pictures of me and I just want to give him a hug and say, do you know what? It's funny, you know, you saying that. My therapist the other day said that. What would you do to the man in that comparison picture of when you were sober to the him? Yeah. And he said, go on, I want you to really feel this. And I said, I will give him a huge hug. Yeah. And he said, oh, I thought you would say you would shake him. Yeah. That's really funny, isn't yeah. it, what you said yeah. there? But I have, yeah. maybe it's because yeah. I'm a bit further down. I don't know. Like, but no, there, there, there are times as well when I look, I do I do like to look back to see how far I've come. And I do look back at old pictures and and even even pictures of me and the family when I'm smiling, I can see in my eyes. I'm not, mm. I'm, that's a fake smile. I can tell. And, and, I, and I would... Go, go back and, and and I would want to give him a hug as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Say, mate, it's everything gonna be all right. right. Yeah, it's gonna be, be all right. right. You just need to find your way. Yeah, you know, exactly. and even if that means becoming sober curious or or reading something, listening to something, or joining a couple of um, accounts on Instagram just to explore what it's all about that's the beginning of something that could change your whole life you know yeah and i think that's why i'm not speaking for you but but me personally passionate and probably you as well passionate about doing what we do because there's people with them eyes now there's people sat there them curtains drawn now there's people where we was right now and we know And this is why I do this podcast and you do yours. And this is why you're so present online. It's like a barber and it is always going to have people that need a haircut. And it's the same as this, you know, there are people listening now going, Oh my God, I I need to sort it out. You know, and that's why it's so important. So this time round, how did you do it? Like, do you remember your day one? Yeah. My, I've got a good friend who's been sober for about four, four or five years. And he'd heard that in the pandemic, I'd relapsed again. And he kept ringing my phone. And it was one of them, you know, I'd look at his name thinking, oh, God, and I wouldn't answer it, just watching <laughs> it ring out. Thinking, oh, what does he want again? Full of resentment, thinking, oh, he sorted his life out. Yeah, look at you, again. you bastard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. And I, and I went to my cousin's house. And I, I, we went round there, and I, I was on the gin, and we were sniffing, and and it was like seven in the morning, and I put my gym clothes on and a gym bag, which was full of beer. But I was so worried about what other people were thinking. I walked, and I see me mate, and he was he was outside this shop, and I thought, oh shit, <laughs> I ducked into the corner shop <laughs> to hide from him. And the bloke's asking me to get out because I nearly knocked all these bottles all over the place, and I said, <laughs> the shush. And I waited in there about 20 minutes to avoid him. And I come out and he was just sat on the bonnet of the car. And he went, all right, Sam. <laughs> oh, he, really? Yeah. And he walked me around um, around this church and he spoke to me for about about 25 minutes. And he was just telling me that there was like, everything I already knew, really. And he, he, he said, do you want me to take to a meeting up in Essex? And um, I went up with him the next day. And I, I just haven't looked back since, really. So I tried to do for others what he done for me now, you know. These moments are life-changing, aren't they? These pivotal moments, like, are so incredible. And it's the right place, the right time. But, again, you were probably there, although you was hiding in that shop. Yeah. You were probably knowing then, 
oh my God, I've really got to do something about this, but I don't know how. And by you going to that meeting, it's a bit like me in that uh, text message that day that I got was like, it was like the universe saying to me, this is your your opportunity, son. Do you yeah. want to take it? There's door one. Or yeah. do you stay where you are? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, and this is how it changed. And how long ago was that, Sam? Um, I just just celebrated 17 months of being sober, yeah. Just oh, you look amazing, 17. mate, as well. And, and that, that church as well. How about this for full circle, yeah? That church, he took me around. We stood and we stood outside this one window for about 25 minutes. And the other day, I'd just done a speech inside that church. And oh, I looked did up you? Yeah, I looked up and it, it was the same window as where wow. I stood. And I thought, bloody hell, how about that for full Did so. you hear in the background, love, <laughs> like the angels <laughs> calling? Oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's ironic, actually, in the beginning you were saying um, about your confidence and whatever. Yeah. So what's gone full circle now is now you're 17 months sober, you could stand up in that church and do a... Talk. Yeah, I still listen, I'm, and I'm accepting myself for who I am these days. And because I started drinking so young, I used to think I never used to be this unconfident or a bit awkward around people. I'm fine one on one, and I'm fine in uh, some days. But other days, I, I get a bit awkward and embarrassed when people are talking to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll notice I go a bit red. But I'm alright with that. You know, I'm just start, I've started to get to know myself, and and. There is, there is a side to me that shine awkward, and, and that's absolutely fine. 100%, you know? mate. Do you yeah. notice you're a bit quieter as well? Yeah, definitely, and I wouldn't have it any other way, Dave. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm the same, mate, because, yeah. I, you know, like you say about the uh, acting role, yeah. you know, yeah. we go out, like, on the stage, and we're like, make them laugh, make yeah. them laugh, and all that business, and quite a lot of comedians are actually really quiet and subdued and, and whatnot, you know? And and I was the same, but do you know what? I, I wouldn't have it any other way now that I love my peace and quiet. I And even lately now, I'm not spending as much time online. I'm being really mindful of that. Yeah. And it's serving me in a much better way now because I was literally all the time on scrolling on my Instagram and, and oh my God, it started to narrow my bandwidth that I didn't have any when I was drinking. And I started to go down that almost like addictive behavior. And you know what they say about the swiping of your phone and whatever, scrolling up, 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 waiting for the next dopamine hit. It's the same as a one-armed bandit in the old days when you're just pulling the handle down, waiting for the next big win. And when you don't and you run out of money, you feel really low and depressed. And I was finding that, you know, and even if I wake up in the night, I've learned now not to look at my phone because the minute I used to pick it up, I would then start scrolling and then be wired my brain would be wired and it could be four or five in the morning. I think, well, I might as well get up now. Yeah, yeah. And and also, that I've, I have to be mindful of that when I've got the kids and that as well, try and put it in a different room. I know it sounds sad, but I've robbed them with my presence for so long. I don't want to do, keep doing it with something else now as well. Yeah. So. If you if you go for a walk or something like that, some, sometimes leave your phone at home and that. Oh, it's nice to take pictures and everything. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I've got to work on as well. Definitely, just put it on airplane mode, mate, and then then you're not going to be bothered. But so when we did our live for Drive January, you know, you spoke so passionately about your daughters, and uh, how do you think things have changed now? You don't drink with them. I always. That done nice things and everything with my kids and everything, and I try and go a couple of days without drinking here and there when I had them. But like I said before, you're thinking about it, so you're robbing your presence with them. Now, mm. my 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 eldest is here in the other room. Um, we're picking up the youngest today, like, and and I can have a day out with them and be completely present without any mm. fears, anxieties, or worries. I've cleared all that headspace, and and now it's all theirs. You know, I've got no. I've got this debt to pay. I've got, um, I've upset so-and-so last week. I've got this, that, and the other going on. Oh, I need a drink. All that headspace and all that loud noise is gone. And so now we're out and about, and all I can do is focus on the present and with them. And it's so beautiful, so beautiful to live like that compared to how I was, you know. And um, I imagine they're really proud of you, right? 
Yeah, and I'm really honest and open with them. And like, like we, me and my eldest went for a drive last night, and she was just talking and asking questions and 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 talking about sobriety and stuff like that. And this generation and the next and that, so alcohol is so it's it's out there. And and I can't change or stop them drinking in the future; it's their choice. But what I can do now is lead by example. You know, if I'm out every weekend getting smashed, I can't turn around and say to them, "Look, you're, you're drinking a bit too much in the future." I'm, I'm talking way ahead now, but that's what, that's what you got to do. I think I'll, I'll lead by example, be present, and then if I, if they need you, you're there for them. You know, and I think it's um, using education these days. We didn't have it back then. You know, we didn't know half of what we know now. Mm. Uh, in fact, in my day, because I'm older than you. We didn't know anything. You know, we, we wouldn't need ID to go to the bar. I, I was getting served in a pub at 15. Yeah, same. You know, yeah. I had a tattoo at 14 where I went into the tattoo shop and he did, you know, he didn't I'd say anything. You know, like yeah. it was just how it was. And, you know, <laughs> and the science side of it, Sam, is that your, your brain doesn't, the front cortex doesn't develop till fully till you're 21, which is the main mm. addiction part of the brain. You know, yeah. and it's quite acceptable back then to think, well, that's all right. You know, like it's another customer. What do you want, lads? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but it is what it is now. And what, what you say by leading by example is true. But also it's like saying, talking to your girls in a non-judgmental way just to make raise awareness, I suppose, mm-hmm. of the harms of alcohol is so important and then leave it up to them to make their own mind up. Yeah, exactly. And what, what better way? What, I, I like to think I've made all my mistakes so they don't have to. I know they're going to make their own and everything, but if they can learn from a few of mine yeah, and not go down that route, because alcohol, it, it, it is accepted too much, I think, and it's scary. It, it scares me, like you say, the youngsters, we think it's a good idea for them to go out into a nightclub, fill themselves with a toxin and dance the night away, walk home, put themselves in, in dangerous situations. It is scary. And I think that um, people are starting to realise now that it, it shouldn't be as accepted as what, what it maybe is, you know. Mm. And I want to be part of that change if I can. Well, you are part of that change, mate. So your Instagram handle, Dare to Dip, right? So yeah. leaping in the sea at all temperatures, all times of the year, you're obviously mm. mad, right? Yeah, I've never. Yeah. Been. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm still nuts in sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 I I felt a relapse coming on when the pandemic came along, and I and I didn't want to go back down that route. Um, and I, and I searched for online natural ways to get rid of anxiety and depression because I felt all these older that's the first time in a long time I felt that um the hypochondriac brain come back yeah. on like, as a virus going about and every 30 seconds I had it <laughs> you know? like, and um and I found some one online was doing 30 days cold showers and I'd done 30 days of cold showers I noticed a massive change in my stress levels and I thought mm. there's something to this I was walking down the prom with my cousin and I said, I'm going to jump in that North Sea every day for a year and try and get people. I said, people be suffering with their mental health. I'll try and get people involved in the community. And that, that was March the 14th. And he said to me, no, you won't. Um, and I was going to do it from my birthday, 12th of July to the 12th of July. But because I'm stubborn and he said, no, you won't. I went in the water the next day and the 15th of March. And, and on the first day, I'd done it on my own. The second day, my mate joined me. Went down to the beach the third day, was three or four people, and it just grew and grew. And I done, I went in the North Sea every single day for a year. I got nominated for a Pride of Britain for it, and everyone in my community wow. come out. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. There's still a massive group that goes down there every day today uh, to this day, and it's really catching on. That I mean, I went in the North Sea two or three months ago now. I was like a proper wuss, mate. When I when yeah. I got in it, I was literally really bad. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, get me <laughs> out of here! But it it was I I stood with it, and it what was interesting about that is almost like I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. But yeah. then I said, hold on a minute, you've done something incredible. You have given up yeah. alcohol, right? So stick with it, yeah. and all of a sudden. I felt 
warm, peaceful, calm. Mm. And I stayed in there for about 20 minutes and I come out and I was really warm when I come out as well. Um, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> cold air. Yeah. I was freezing. Like yeah. literally, I couldn't wait to get dressed. I had a cup of tea and a bit of cake and whatever. And it was right. But do you know what, mate? And you might be able to explain this. Later on that afternoon, I was shattered. So yeah. whether it was the adrenaline, what do you know? What a, a lot of people, a lot of people come and done it with us. Uh, hundreds of people turned out in the end. It was incredible, and there was a pattern. People that done it just the once felt really tired uh, because it takes a lot of adrenaline. You normally get the the, the major benefits about three or four days in. People mm. were fine, but it, it is just it is such a, a powerful tool. It's such a, and it's helped me out massively. It really has. It 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 um I I always struggled with with um, anxiety and that that puts you in a state of uh fight or flight but controlled yeah. state so training your your brain to deal with stress. You know, it, it really is good and I've always suffered with self discipline. So what better way to, to work on your self discipline than, than forcing yourself to get up and go and see every day for you? Hundred percent, mate. It takes a lot of um willpower to do that because especially yeah. in the colder months and you're under the duvet, you know. And and how often do you do that now? I do some form of cold water therapy every single day. Um, whether it be going to the sea or have a cold shower. But yeah, I went in the sea with my daughter yesterday. That was the first time I'd done it in a week because I've been having cold showers. <laughs> he was going to me, Are "You all right?" And I was going, "Yeah." <laughs> I was pass out. <laughs> How did she find it? Oh, uh, she she talks the talk, mate. But <laughs> she got to her toes and she ran out. But oh, fine. did she? <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless her. <laughs> yeah, she has done it a couple of times in the past, though. But I don't really like her doing it when it's this cold, anyway. If I'm honest. No. <laughs> So you've got a big thing coming up. Is it July the twelfth? July the twelfth. I, I, I um, yeah, I'm going to do. It's my birthday. I want to do a sobriety dip down on Felixstowe Beach. I've invited yourself. Yes, sir. <laughs> and a few other people. And I'm going to put a message up on Instagram to the and and in our group chat. Um, try and get as many sober people and everything can just have a celebration and go in the sea, maybe have some burgers and whatnot. So. Yeah, you just want a load of presents, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <be caught> out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that's a really brilliant idea because it's different, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, I do I do quite a few events and that and people put their glab rags on and you know, yeah. the connection at my events are incredible, you know, and people yeah. get lifelong friends off the bat but to do something like that mm. you can have that feel of like at the end of it oh my god i've done something i never thought i would ever do yeah. because for me i was what how old am i now 58 right for me to be the first time i've jumped in the sea in a cold sea yeah the north sea in winter is like a new thing for me, you know, and I would yeah. never have, I would have gone, why would you, unless I was drunk and jumped off a pier or something, yeah. it would have been that, <laughs> look at me and broke me back. But um, no, like you're never too old to do anything, you know, and this yeah. is why I'm always saying, when you say lead by example, that's one of my mantras is like, I'm 58, 59 soon. And it's like, I turn my entire life around in my fifties, right? Yeah. And there's no way I would ever want to go back to that. I've been through quite a lot this year as well. And if there was ever a time to do it, it would have been then, you know. Yeah. And nothing would draw me back because the benefits are so amazing that I just would not want to go back to that place where that poison ivy is wrapped around my neck, strangling me. I've cut that off me now and I've burnt it and it's gone, right? And I'm still aware you know, I'm not complacent where I think, ah, oh, I've beaten it because we don't, right? Mm. And it might pop up somewhere, but I'm aware. And I, I've got the tools now. I've built the foundation of my sobriety. It's so strong that it's not floundering, you know. Um, and being part of this community as well helps, doesn't it? You yeah, must find that. Yeah, I was just about that. to say, you've cut, you've cut it off so many people as well, Dave. You've helped so many people out and not just yourself, you know. I take my hat off to you, real inspiration to me. And, and you've helped me out personally as well a, a lot, you know. And, yeah, it is all about community. And, and I think helping other people takes you out of self. And, and it really is the trick 
I think to, to stay in sober as well, make, making it part of your identity. We our our identity for so long was being the mash heads and the and the clown yeah. And, yeah. and all that. And it is difficult to switch one identity to another, but with, with over time and follow the process and keep sticking to it, and eventually sobriety becomes part of your identity. Now I don't want yeah. people to remember me as mash head Sam, who was good for a laugh. I want people to remember me as the bloke that that suffered and and done something about it and and helped others you know? yeah suffered yeah. in suffolk yeah suffered in suffolk <laughs> yeah so mate what talking about that have you lost friends or or have they been really good and all supported you it, it, you outgrow people there's no disrespect mm. to one um you outgrow people some people are still on that path and 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 I, I generally believe of the law of attraction and stuff like that. It's no coincidence when I was drinking and taking drugs, I was hanging around with people that were on the same journey, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, now I'm sober and that. I'm hanging around with people that, that are on the same journey. So You align differently, I, didn't you, with people? And, and the, uh, to people in my past, I can, I, I can love them, but I can't be with them while they're on that journey because i can quite easily get sucked back into it but what i can do is be over here and if they want help out of that i'm always here for them yeah you know? but yeah. I, I just can't be with them while they're on that journey and that's, no, that, okay. that's boundaries mate yeah. that's boundaries so and that's really important so what does the future look like for you bliss mate i've got so many good things lined up um I'm, I'm just excited for it. And there was a point where I didn't think I had one, you know, so for, to go from that to where I'm at today is pretty incredible. And in, in, in such a short time, really, mm. you know, so yeah, I'm just excited for it, Dave, excited for my future. And like I say, considering I never thought I had one, it's pretty powerful, really. No, that's powerful in itself. You know, like it, it you know, I quite often say about quite often when we're drinking, we're looking at the floor and it's all in black and white and it's raining and your shoes have got holes in and stuff. And then when you stop drinking, the sun comes out and you lift your head up and you look around and you can see life, you know, the beauty of life. And I don't want to be all like woo-woo and oh my God, but it, it's like you do and, and you start, when you start to get your self-esteem back and your self-worth, like what you said, I'm all right with me being quiet. I'm all right with a lot of things about me. And if someone doesn't like it, that's okay too. But I like it. And that's what the main thing is. That's what's important for me is that I'm content within myself. And and that's great for me. You know, it's like I can finally wake up in the morning and think, ah, things are good. You yeah. know, things are okay. Where before it'd be, my life is absolutely fucked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and then, and you appreciate the little things in life, and like like you say, I don't want to get all guru and everything, but I love watching the sunrise and the sunset now. You mm. know, mm. And it's just little things in life, and in enjoying them moments with your kids and that is what it's all about. I watch the sunset now, and the only light I used to see for so long was the corner shop. You know what I mean? It's, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, it's been an absolute joy to have you on my podcast, mate. And I think you're brilliant. Honestly, you're such an inspiration you are, to mate. so many. Yeah. And you are just growing. All this, I watch you and what you're doing and your compassion. And, you know, you're just so brilliant, mate. So carry on doing what you're doing. Appreciate uh, that. I'll Dude. see you in the sea. Yeah. Are you going to come on July 12th, yeah? 100%. Yes, Dave, yes. <laughs> I'll have to go on a diet, but hey, that's part of the journey. <laughs> Mind you, you before that, I'm doing that big car walk, and I'm, uh, well, I'd have done it by then. And, and the, um, no, actually, then the car walk's in eight, the end of April, and then I'm climbing a mountain in Morocco. So I, yeah. I should lose about a stone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, I, and that's just before my birthday as well. So I could Where's your birthday? The 19th. <laughs> yeah? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. So well, I could, anyone listening, 19th of July, 12th of July for Sam, let's get the yeah. presents going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, mate. I've really enjoyed it.
enjoyed this and uh, yeah, carry it. on doing what you're doing mate and and see you soon mate love you mate cheers take it easy mate bye I really hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For further support, you can buy my book, One for the Road, on Amazon, and you can also follow me on Instagram, at Sober Dave. Please remember to join me for next week's episode. Until then, thanks for listening, and have a great week.